Hey, it's Sarah, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by funding through the Kansas Department for Children and Families. So back in Season 2, Episode 29, we talked about temperaments. Well, today I'm back with some new information about temperaments. So a lot of what we've always known about temperaments and why it's important to be knowledgeable of them continues to be true. Like, it's connected to many critical outcomes later in life. They develop early in life and influence the way children see and interact with the world. They're shaped by genetic, biological, and environmental factors. They're expressed at different levels of strength and duration. And they help us to better understand children's individual differences, strengths, interests, and areas of growth, along with helping us to create a goodness of fit. So let's talk about what's changed. So previously, there were nine common traits used to describe temperament. Activity level, distractibility, intensity, regularity, sensitivity, approachability, adaptability, persistence, and mood. And based upon those nine traits, researchers created three types of temperament. Easygoing, slow to warm, and active feisty. And not all children's temperaments, of course, would fall neatly into each of those three types described You know, roughly about 65% of children could be categorized into one of three temperament types. And then the remaining percentage is kind of a mix of the three. So based on the work of Newton, Vermani, Lally, and Mangione with the Program for Infant-Toddler Care, or PITC, the following information that we're going to talk about today is now considered best practice when thinking about temperaments. So instead of traits and types... Now we're going to focus on temperament tendencies or, you know, a combination of capacities that make up an individual's natural way of relating to people, things, and events. And there are five temperament tendencies. Activity level, reaction to the unexpected, attention and regulation, anger, irritability, and frustration, and exuberance, enthusiasm, and cheerfulness. So let's talk about each of those tendencies. First, we have activity level, which is the vigor or intensity and the tempo or speed of an individual's motor movement and vocal expression, right? So a child maybe who has a low activity level may observe as well as move and vocalize more slowly or quietly, as opposed to a child with a high activity level may always be on the go as well as move and vocalize quickly and loudly. Um, I would venture a guess that I have a pretty high activity level, especially when it comes to my vocalization. I have a tendency to talk a little more quickly than the average talker. (laughs) So some things to consider, questions to ask yourself about activity level. Is the child always on the go? Is this child intensely active most of the time, or do they move a little more slowly? Does this child vocalize loudly or quietly? Does the child typically move or vocalize quickly or slowly? Next, we have a reaction to the unexpected. So this is the wariness or caution that an individual experiences when faced with unfamiliar people, objects, or situations. So a child with a low reaction to the unexpected may be unfazed by new experiences or may just jump right in to participate. And a child with a high reaction to the unexpected may appear very wary or cautious in new situations. So some questions to consider around reaction to the unexpected. 
When this child encounters new activities, settings, people, objects, do they appear fearful or distressed? When this child encounters new activities, settings, people, objects, do they want to just get in on the action? So the third tendency is attention and regulation. And this is the ability to voluntarily regulate one's own emotions and behavior, including the ability including the ability to voluntarily focus, sustain, and switch attention. So a child with a low attention and regulation um, are more likely to move quickly from task to task and may not effectively regulate um, their emotions. A child with a high attention and regulation are more likely to be able to focus their attention on things for long periods, considering their age, of course, um, and may be able to regulate their feelings and behaviors more easily. Um, Some questions to consider around attention and regulation. Does this child keep attention or focus on an activity? Does the child switch attention from one task to another or not when asked? Does this child regulate their emotions or behaviors easily? Um, If the child's a young infant, do they look away when they're overstimulated? Or if a child's a toddler, Do they typically wait calmly for a turn with a toy? Which, you know, sometimes toddlers, toys, waiting, turn taking. Yeah, you know. So then the last two of the temperament tendencies are broken down a little further. So this anger, irritability, and frustration is first broken down in the topic of emotional intensity or the strength of an individual's typical emotional reactions. So a low emotional intensity around anger, irritability, and frustration might look like a child that has a mild emotional reactions, you know, such as a frown in a frustrating situation. And a high emotional intensity reaction might look like a child that has strong emotional reactions like stomping, sobbing, you know, when when frustrated. You know, some questions to consider. How intense are these child's emotional responses? Does the child express anger, irritability, or frustration intensely or more subtly? So then another breakdown of anger, irritability, and frustration is emotional threshold. So what it takes to trigger an emotional response around that idea of anger, irritability, and frustration. So a low emotional threshold would be children um, are easily emotionally triggered. You know, for example, another child unintentionally getting in the way might trigger stomping or tears. And a high emotional threshold around anger, irritability, and frustration would be children children are unlikely to be emotionally phased by most experiences. It takes a lot to trigger an emotional response for that child, um, possibly repeated or especially intense situations. And some questions to consider might be, how much does it take to trigger an emotional response from that child? You know, does it take a little or a lot of pushing to get emotion? And then the third breakdown of anger, irritability, and frustration is emotional duration or the length of time an individual's emotions, emotional reactions typically last. So if there's a low emotional duration, um, children shift emotions quickly after an emotional experience Though they may be very angry, their anger kind of tends to go away pretty quickly. If they have a high emotional duration, 
um, they have long emotional experiences, such as crying for extended periods of time, you know, after a conflict with a peer. So some questions to think about how long do these child's emotional responses usually last? If they're frustrated, will they stay frustrated for a long period or a short period? And then that final temperament tendency is enthusiasm, exuberance, and cheerfulness. And it's also broken down by those three pieces of emotional intensity, emotional threshold, and emotional duration. So again, emotional intensity or the strength of an individual's typical emotional reactions around the tendency of enthusiasm, exuberance, and cheerfulness, a low emotional intensity intensity might look like a child that has mild emotional reactions, like a gentle smile in a funny situation. And high emotional intensity might look like children having strong emotional reactions, such as laughing or yelling in excitement. So, you know, questions to ask, how intense are the child's emotional responses? Does the child express exuberance, enthusiasm, or cheerfulness intensely or subtly? So then for emotional threshold for enthusiasm, exuberance, and cheerfulness, again, what it takes to trigger an emotional response, you know, so a low emotional threshold would be children quickly and easily express emotions. For example, another child making a silly face could trigger laughter for a child with a low threshold for enthusiasm. And a high emotional threshold, you know, children are unlikely to be emotionally expressive in reaction to most experiences. It takes a lot to trigger an emotional response, um, possibly, you know, repeated or especially intense experiences. So you want to think about how much does it take to provoke an emotional response from that child? Um, a little or a lot stimulation. And then finally, with enthusiasm, exuberance, and cheerfulness, we have emotional duration. Or again, the length of time an individual's emotional reactions typically last. So low emotional duration would be children switch emotions quickly after an emotional experience. Not unlike what we talked about with anger, irritability, and frustration. Um, and high, children have long emotional reactions, you know, such as cheerfulness throughout the day or persistent exuberance after playing a fun game. And questions to consider, think about, would be how long do these child's emotional responses typically last? And if this child gets excited, will the excitement persist or does it change quickly? So remember at the top of the episode when I referenced goodness of fit? Well, goodness of fit is another one of those aspects of temperament that has not changed. We talked about it in the previously mentioned episode, as well as referencing it in relation to other topics in other episodes. But just in case you need a refresher, goodness of fit is the compatibility between adult and child temperaments. So it's the compatibility. So goodness of fit is the compatibility between adult and child temperaments. Now, this does not mean that the adult and child temperaments have to match. And it does not mean that the adult has to change who they are. This compatibility happens when adults adjust their expectations and caregiving strategies to match the child's temperament tendencies, becoming a positive support to that child's natural way of responding to their world. So, you know, rather than trying to make the child's temperament fit the classroom, 
We want to support each child's development by providing materials, activities, routines, schedules, and supports that recognize, value, and integrate their unique temperament tendencies. You know, things like visual schedules, which just happens to be the topic for next week's episode. Hmm. So goodness of fit isn't just for the kids, right? It's for us as adults. It helps us to avoid blaming ourselves or the child for reactions or behavior that that's typical based on that child's temperament and the adult's temperament. You know, it helps us to learn to anticipate issues before they occur. You know, when we think about emotional intensity, you know, if we know that that child in a certain situation is likely to react in a certain way, we can start to kind of head that off at the pass. Um, you know, goodness of fit also helps us to avoid frustrating ourselves and the child using approaches and strategies that don't match that child's temperament tendencies. And goodness of fit helps us to continue to build relationships with families to learn more about the child and their home environment. You know, share what we've learned and provide information on temperament with families. Work with families to identify their child's individual temperaments. What do they see at home? But in order to effectively address goodness of fit, you must first begin to understand your own temperament, right? Helps you to take that child, that child's perspective into perspective. You know, for example, a caregiver or provider who enjoys movement, loud music playing and constant hustle and bustle might try to imagine what it would feel like to spend all day in a setting that was calm, hushed and quiet. You know, so this, this reflective process of thinking about your own temperament helps you become more attuned to the experiences of the children in your care and their temperaments, right? And then you can determine what adjustments might need to be created or put into place for that goodness of fit for every child in your program. So to just kind of put a bow on this, when we are knowledgeable of our own temperaments, along with those of the children in our care, we are better able to support their individual needs as they engage during the day's routines, schedules, and planned activities. And check back next week. We're going to dive in a little deep to uh, visual schedules, what they are, um, what they do, what they look like, how they help. We'll see you next week. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casito Kids Infant Toddler Specialist Network and Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families Child Care and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency, and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email kidsthesedayspod at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kids These Days Pod. Be sure to check out the infographic and other resources for this episode in the show notes. And don't forget to hit subscribe. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes. Infographics by Rudy Benavides. Music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod. See you next time on Kids These Days.